welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. For children with cancer and other conditions, the way that they experience healthcare often sucks. And my guest today is very passionate about improving that. So my guest is Dom Rabin, and he's the founder and CEO of Exploro Health. And Explorer Health are doing some cool stuff. They are using augmented reality, AI, and games to reduce anxiety for young patients going to hospital. Now, the reason Dom feels so passionate about this is because he had a, well, his daughter had Uig sarcoma, which is a very rare type of bone cancer. And her experience of healthcare well, let's say could have been better. And what Dom does now is that he builds these experiences for children going through healthcare to make their experience of the whole journey better. As I say, using augmented reality, digital characters and avatars to help guide them, but also educate them about the healthcare that they're having. So what is an MRI? Why should you stay still? Um, what is going to happen to you when you go through that corridor into that room for that surgery, et cetera. And so educating the children on that, but really focused on the gaming side of it and making it enjoyable and that being the first principle so that they're not going on there to learn about it and it's laborious. They want to go on there to play a game and they learn as a secondary benefit. And I talked with Dom about the value of that for the organizations, the fact that children that are educated about an MRI will actually stay still and reduce the need for a second scan and therefore reducing the cost of the hospital. Also, the fact that they will actually turn up to appointments because they and the parents are very aware and engaged in their care and they know the value of that appointment. They know why they're doing it. They know why they should be there. And also this concept of, of health literacy leading to better self-managers of care later in life too. So there are all these benefits to actually knowing and understanding their health as a child. Now, we talked about some other stuff, but the one thing I want to pull out here is that they have at Explorer Health an expert advisory board. Now, if I say expert advisory board, you're probably picturing quite a lot of older people sat around a table. Theirs is eight-year-olds, well, between eight and 16-year-olds of expert advisors, and they are specifically like user experience advisors. They hand these experiences to eight-year-olds on their expert advisory board, and they just tell them whether this is rubbish or not. And there's an example of them doing loads of work and loads of sunk costs down to making these avatars more photorealistic, I think, and them just being told it sucks by their expert eight-year-old advisory board. So... um, Dom is not afraid at all of really leaning into his values that the patient experience is the biggest thing that matters. And where it, when it comes to children, well, those expert advisors need to be eight-year-olds. So this is a really interesting episode. It's got that personal story from Dom in it. We've got a lot in here about patient experience. And I feel like I've really... I guess, renewed and refreshed what it means to care about patients' experience and what it means to actually involve patients in that journey. So I'm very grateful to Dom for that. Um, I hope you enjoy this one today. Hey, everybody. This week, I'm joined by Dom Rabin, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Exploro, which is a digital therapeutics platform that uses AR, AI, and games to reduce anxiety for young patients to hospital. Dom has got a very interesting story behind this, and he has done lots of interesting stuff in his career. So Dom, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, James. Excellent. Um, Good to have you on, mate, and really looking forward to talking about this, um, because not least, uh, you, I feel like you will understand me and what I'm doing. I feel like you've you've walked a similar path to me with the agency model, um, and you've gone on to do exciting things in tech and all the rest of it, um, I suppose. Le- leaning into the uh, the single horse in the race rather than managing all the horses in the race uh, with your own tech company now. So yeah, looking forward to getting into it, man. Before we kick off, whereabouts are you speaking to us from today? So I'm actually uh, in uh, in the attic of my home in Preston in uh, nice. the northwest of England, but nice. uh, the business is based in Manchester and Cleveland, Ohio. 
Oh wow, interesting. <laughs> I um, we yeah. have some friends that live in uh, in Cleveland actually. So I have well, they live in Akron, so not Cleveland, but um, yeah, yeah, Akron. No, well, so um, our chief strategy officer lives in Akron. Excellent, excellent, lovely. And um, I'm there in two weeks' time. Very nice, very nice part of the world that I must say. Very interesting. Never heard it before. Never heard of a health tech company based there, but first for everything. It's a big health tech centre with uh, Cleveland Clinic. In Is it? Of, co- of course. Of yeah. course. Especially yeah. with their move over to London as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, goodness. Interesting. Um, so, Dom, listen, um, why don't you tell us your story? I know that, as I say, there's, there's a bit of agency model in there and learning business that way and going on to your own tech company now and all sorts of bits and bobs with what you're doing globally. So yeah, kick off and tell us your story, mate. Yeah. Well, um, I've certainly been around the block a few times. Um, (laughs) I started my first agency, God, 1991 was Mm. my first agency. Um, and, uh, you know, that then led to, um, managing two or three agencies after that. The Explorer story is really nothing, nothing to do with that. Well, I suppose it has something to do with that agency experience in that, in that, you know, I've spent many years in design and software development, um, primarily doing that for, for other people in the agency model. Um, but Explorer comes about through, through personal experience. So, um, back in 2011, uh, my daughter, who was 13 at the time, uh, was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is, uh, I mean, no cancer is great, but it's a particularly aggressive and dangerous, dangerous cancer. I have to say she's 20, coming up to, let me get this right, 25 now oh, um, and, and doing really good. So, um, but she, when she was diagnosed, she went through, as I'm sure you can imagine, a pretty horrendous year of treatment. She was mm. treated at six different hospitals in total. Um, the NHS paid for us as a family of four to go and live in Florida for for, for 10 weeks and, and that wasn't a holiday that was mm. um, proton beam therapy you know the net effect of all of that treatment was that she came out with a you know a good prognosis but um, what was missing from her treatment was information so she had no information about the people she'd meet you know coming into a hospital or any healthcare setting really confusing so many different roles you've got no idea who everyone is no one explained that to her um, she had no information about the environment she was coming into before she went into them. So, you know, every time she went into a hospital setting, really scary. And then no information about any of the technologies that were being used to treat her. So, you know, a case in point was one day, I remember them wheeling over a big machine to her bedside and plugging her in without telling her what it what, what they were doing. And they were attempting to do a stem cell harvest. And, you know, that, that failed because she was non-compliant and she was non-compliant because she didn't know what was going on. And so when she came out of treatment, I got really interested in the idea that providing patients with information could be a bona fide therapy in and of itself. And I started doing lots of desk-based research, trawling through Google Scholar uh, to see how much evidence there was around this. And I discovered that there's lots and lots of evidence, common sense, but it says provide patients with information prior to an intervention, experience reduced anxiety, and that can lead to better clinical outcomes. So so kind of armed with that thought, I started to think about what an intervention might look like. Um, and I suppose this is where my agency background and my interest in design kicked in because we devoted some agency downtime to exploring this idea. And the first thing we did was invite some school children in on week-long placements. And we gave them the brief of what might you create if uh, if you were trying to help children going into an unfamiliar hospital setting? What would you what would what would you design? What would you build? Uh, these were kids of aged about 14, 15, doing their, I think it's year 10 work experience. And uh, to a T, they all came up with game ideas. And actually one of those game ideas is in Explorer today. Um, they all came up with game ideas, and so we 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 knew that whatever we did was going to be um, involve games or gamification in 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 some way, shape, or form. Um, so this was twenty sixteen, I think, and um, 
at the, around about the same time, I had a chance meeting with the clinical director at uh, the UK's biggest children's hospital, Royal Manchester, um, a guy called Dr. Peter Mark Fortune. I shared our ideas about what we were doing with, with Peter Mark, and he was really enthusiastic. And with his help, we actually managed... Uh, <laughs> In my fundraising journey, this is, although it's a tiny amount of money, this is one of the things I'm proudest about. We actually managed to get some money out of the NHS to do some initial prototyping. Mm. Really small amount of money, uh, 20K. Um, and a UX research agency that I was working with at the time, um, a group called Sutherland Labs, um, also gave us 25K's worth of uh, user research time. So we... With with our, our minimal amount of money, we built some really basic prototypes and took them into into Royal Manchester and just tested the idea that a combination of games, 3D models, augmented reality 3D models could could help children engage with their healthcare journey. And the results of that were phenomenal. You know, we 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 discovered that there was a real gap. Um, and we were filling that gap. Children were, 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 were kind of lapping this information up and really, really engaging with these very basic prototypes that we built. So, so that's really kind of the origin story. And, you know, I can go on and talk more about what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, that's how, how Explorer came about. Awesome. It's a funny one, isn't it, that I've talked about this recently. We, had, we, did, an event at, uh, we did an event at Google about AI and imaging recently and i had this sort of moment on stage when the when the speakers were talking about i sort of had this idea crystallized that i think in healthcare there are two well at least two there are many but there are when it comes to technology and adoption there are two different frontiers that as entrepreneurs, we're all trying to change in some way. We're all trying to push these two frontiers forward in some way. I think one of them is a technology frontier, what is actually possible with the technology. And that is pushed forward by those that are exploring or developing large language models, MedPalm 2 at Google, like that kind of technology frontier and pushing what's genuinely possible. I think lagging way behind that is an adoption frontier about what is actually doable, possible and acceptable within a healthcare environment. And that is not dependent on the technology frontier because everything between that frontier and the technology frontier could be adopted but isn't for some reason. And I think there are plenty of companies working on that adoption frontier because I think what moves that adoption frontier forwards is patient education, workforce education, like digital literacy stuff. It's infrastructure change, putting Wi-Fi in all the hospitals that actually works. Uh, there's all of these things that contribute. I haven't fully got that list yet because I'm still sort of working on this in my head, but like, I think there's a big list of things like problems that need to be solved to push that adoption frontier. And whilst you've got people working on like quantum computing and all these exciting technologies and pushing what's actually possible forwards, simultaneously, you've got a heck of a lot of people trying to push the adoption frontier forwards. And my hypothesis is that actually within healthcare, I think so much more needs to be done to push that adoption frontier forwards. But it's a question of business model. It's a question of how do you actually make that worth people's time, worth an entrepreneur's time? Because the unit economics of building a tech company in a SaaS platform are glorious. 90% margins, massive raise, massive exit bought by Google or Facebook or whatever and you're away. Whereas actually this side of things is a lot more hard graft and especially I think more relatable to someone that's got a story like yours, a personal connection to this that can actually see and feel where that change is going to make a difference. But, but interestingly, probably your agency background and bootstrapping as well. You're probably like, you're probably quite au fait with actually building a business that just works and actually is profitable and does like, 
it's the tortoise versus the hare type thing of like those tortoise businesses that are just small and do a job and stay profitable that gain momentum over time. That's probably, I know, again, I'm hypothesizing, but that's probably, you know, more relatable to someone like you than someone that wants to just build a tech company and exit, right? Which I'm not convinced is like where we need to be in healthcare right now. So I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if that's relatable. Yeah, so I, I, I think, you know, yeah, I agree, agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think the, the, the key thing is, you know, we didn't start with a technology and think, how can this be applied? Yeah. We started with a need. And the need was patients need better education about their healthcare journey. Mm. Mm. So we were agnostic, completely agnostic about the technology that we were going to build. I didn't, I didn't get into this thinking, hey, how can I use augmented reality in games and artificial intelligence in healthcare? Oh, I know. I'll wrap it around patient education. Mm. That is not how we approach this at all. We approached it by thinking, let's talk to patients, let's talk to clinicians, let's find out what the gaps in service are. Mm. When we've identified those gaps, let's think about how the end users, the patients are best going to in- engage with whatever whatever we build. And it could have been, you know, we might have done some research that said, and I don't believe this, but we might have done some research that said a leaflet would would be the would be the best uh, would be the best uh, best way of delivering education to patients. And obviously, our research mm. didn't find that. Our mm. research found that kids love playing games. Mm. So it's not, you know, for me, it's never it's never about the technology. It's never mm. about pushing a technology. It's about it's about serving a need. Mm. And actually, and, and I guess, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. And I think, but I, th- I think that's what you, you've done very well. I think you are moving the adoption frontier forwards by educating patients. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter what technology does that. It just so happens that augmented reality can do it. It just so happens that you can do all these different things that, that will do that. But ultimately, it's knowing that actually the low-hanging fruit here is the fact that the patients aren't educated about their condition, their journey, their path through the system. And by correcting that, you're going to make a big leap forwards in then what's possible. And you can lay a technology on technology on top of that, right? You could, but ultimately technology is not going to sit on top of a system where the patients aren't educated about their journey. And this is the point I'm trying to make. And, and actually similar to the, to the workforce as well, like, if the workforce aren't educated about the value of augmented reality, then augmented reality is not going to sit on there. And so if nobody's educated on the value of it, nobody's going to get buy-in and therefore adoption's not going to happen. And this is true, like human factors stuff and human-centered design stuff that you, I, mean, I know that you know about. And like, it's this, it's this that I think people are missing right now. And I think, well, not missing. I think there's, there's less people that are working on that or aware of it, I think. And that... That's sort of where I'm getting to. Like, I, I know that the computer science is exciting. I know that the engineering is exciting, but there are these fundamental issues that need to be solved, like patient education and like workforce education and digital literacy and just getting Wi-Fi that works in order to support the fun, exciting technologies that everyone's talking about that have that unit economics, that have everything in the big eight. Like, it, it, for me, it is these infrastructure changes right now and moving this adoption frontier forwards with these types of things. It's interesting the way that you describe it as well, actually. And I want to go into more detail about what it actually is and what it actually does. And I think we can definitely move on to that. But before I do, I, a while ago now, it must have been like three oh, something, maybe even longer years ago, I got invited to go to Finland to look at their healthcare ecosystem. It was with a few different people that were writing various bits and bobs at the time, like I sort of through the Forbes thing, like someone asked, like, so I went there with a load of people that wrote for, for different, different things, but we, we got this like tour around their pediatric hospital. And I don't know if you know this, but you, you're nodding. Yeah. So I, yeah, this pediatric hospital was glorious. It was absolutely beautiful it was clean it was so well designed the signage like just things that you will appreciate a designer right the signage just you knew where you were going no matter where you are you can't get lost in this place because somewhere in your eye line you can see where you're meant to go like there were there was this massive screen when you walk in and not that i'm sort of 
evangelizing for tech for the sake of tech or whatever, but like there was a big screen on there. And this is a, a little touch, right? They, they got the kids in this hospital to each draw a fish and yeah. they would draw this fish and it, and then they would just upload the fish onto this screen. So this enormous screen, like, like 15 foot high screen, absolutely massive. There's just these fish that like the kids had drawn, which gave them a connection to the hospital and the place. And like, whenever they would then come in, like they would see their fish on the, in, in this like very weird, but cool looking aquarium with all these like wonderfully drawn fish, but they could also pick a character. They could pick an avatar that would follow them around the hospital uh, with all the different screens in the corridors, their avatar would sort of follow them and come with them and be like a, a companion on their journey. And we talk about companion apps and things for drugs and stuff, but this is more like a, I suppose, literally just like a digital character companion that they had chosen that would accompany them on their journey. And this was all to facilitate, I suppose, a sense of, a sense of belonging, a sense of understanding, a sense of connection to the child and their journey. And I thought that was just, Really, you could you could write it off as fluffy and pointless and not utility or what or whatever, but like it felt like really positive. And on top of that, yeah, so much of the technology in this hospital I would describe as imperceptible. There was so much technology doing so much of a job that you never saw. It's not gadgets. It's not things. It's just it's just there doing a job. Like. It's organizing who goes in what room when just by analyzing the footfall and, and, and who's, who needs a room based on the computer system and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just figuring that out and telling you where to go. And that's not tech that's perceptible. It's not like a thing or a gadget. Right? It's, it's just there working. And so all of this is facilitating, I suppose, this like efficiency and uh, I suppose to one point, like the obvious efficiency of like organizing rooms and stuff. But this understand this patient understanding this connection to your uh to your healthcare because hey what's going to make a kid less anxious and easier to treat from the clinician side but having a better experience from the patient side well it's having a character that follows you around it's drawing a fish that goes like mm. may, may, maybe i am just bought over by the way they presented it to me i don't know but i can i can completely see and understand this stuff so I think I think we might have been on the same tour, James. But uh, oh, amazing! <laughs> I, I, yeah. So uh, I, I, I know the hospital really well, um, and I, but I think unfortunately hospitals like that are few and far between. I'm, mm. I've, I've got to say, I was in uh, Utrecht uh, last week uh, and had the pleasure of visiting. You know, and, and this is it, it, the hospital in Helsinki is 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 incredible. But in, it, last week I visited what I consider to be the absolute epitome of the best hospital experience for children, wow. and it's a hospital called uh, Princess Maxima Centrum. Um, it's a pediatric cancer hospital, dedicated pediatric cancer hospital. Now, the Netherlands only has six hundred kids a year with cancer, but this hospital has been. It's, in fact, I think this month it's celebrating its fifth birthday. Mm. And in its five years since existence, it's managed single-handedly to bring the cancer survival rate up from 75% to 83%. And it's done that through, obviously it's done that through incredible clinical care, but it's done that through providing a really patient-centered experience right. that, that has involved patients and parents at every stage of the journey. And it does right. really simple things, you know, some of the things they're doing there. So like they've, for every patient room and every patient gets their own room, there's a, there's a, there's a, an attached parent room. So parents can have privacy in their own bedroom, wow. but it's attached to the patient room and that parent bedroom they have a rule that clinical staff can't walk in. So the parents have, have this private place. The kids, now I, I don't know, um, I don't know whether list, listeners can imagine if you're having chemotherapy through the night, you've got beeps going on all the time from, mm. from, from the machine that's administering the chemotherapy. So at Princess Maxima, what they've done is a really simple idea. They've put the machine outside of the bedroom and just connected a really long, 
basically a really long hose. So it's not always about technology. Sometimes it's about just these really simple systems thinking ideas mm. uh, that change the way clinical care is delivered. Mm. One of the things that I've really loved, they showed me, you know, they've got a, they've, they've got a, a playground outside. They've got a trampoline for wheelchair users. Imagine wow. that. It's just incredible. Wow. So, you know, and, and, and the other thing they did, which really impressed me, is when they built the hospital, they didn't. They commissioned an architect who had no experience of building hospitals. Nice. He'd never built a hospital before. He'd built can, lots that of schools, can go one of two ways. So can't he it? understood the way. <laughs> yeah, well, he, hadn't, he because he built lots of schools. He understood the way children circulate through buildings and interesting, and where they congregate, where they socialise, and so yeah. I mean, Children's Hospital in Helsinki, fantastic. Uh, Princess Maxima. Fantastic. There's a hospital in Barcelona that we work with called San Yon de Deo, which uh, also has that same kind of emphasis on patient experience. Mm. But unfortunately, those three hospitals are uh, they're way up there in terms of in terms of understanding patient experience, but they're rare. They're not representative of the average children's hospital experience. So we're talk we're talking now really about human-centered design and how that relates to patient engagement in their own care and, and with their treatments and the technologies that support that. So when it comes to the UK and even the US, actually, which I know that you're spending time in, where do you think the biggest wins are to be made here? I've tried to frame that positively rather than like trying to explain why everyone's terrible, but like where do you think the biggest wins are in terms of improving this stuff? Because we can't just tear down every hospital and rebuild it like the one in Helsinki, the one in Utrecht. We can't, we can't do that. But how do you think we make things better? Well, so the first thing, and this is a really simple thing to do, is talk to patients mm. and talk to parents about what they need and recognise, recognise, and this is something that, you know, and, and as, as you said, you know, we want to frame this positively, but I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit negative for a second. Recognize that healthcare is more, is about more than treating disease. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in, in the UK, we, we're, we're very much focused on treating disease. We forget that a, a big component of making patients better and improving their health outcomes is involving them in that process and engaging them in that process. Uh, you know, if you build health literacy in children, then you're building the foundations for future generations who are better able to self-manage their healthcare. Interesting. Self-management of healthcare, that's, that's part of the big solution. So patient engagement has to be front and center of everything you do, not just not just to improve the patient experience, but also because it improves health outcomes and it improves procedural efficiency. So if you've got a patient that is engaged in their healthcare, they're going to move less when they have an MRI scan. They're going to take shorter, they're going to take shorter times for their appointments. They're going to turn up to their appointments. You're going to reduce the number of did not attends. You're going to have a whole range of procedural efficiencies that are a direct result of the patient being engaged in their healthcare journey. Yeah. Yes. That's so interesting. I, it's funny, man. Like I, I, I feel like I'm having like a load of, I, I feel like I've been, I've been stuck in the technology for so long now that like I, I do, I'm, I'm, almost one of those people that defaults to like what technology can change things. And actually just going back to something that you said before about the, um, the beeps in the room, uh, reducing sleep and therefore the, the going outside. I actually, when you said that I had this, I, I imagined, that's funny how my mind works. I, I imagined this meeting where a load of people have come in and they've gone, right. Our patients aren't sleeping. Uh, very well what shall we do and i can i can picture it that everyone's talking about sleep trackers and melatonin and like 
tech therapies and drug therapies and i can i can yeah. imagine this room where some some introverted person at the back just sticks their hand up and says what if we just put the noises outside like i could just imagine this 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 room where this happened yeah. like i don't know it it it's it's so well funny, I, I don't but... i don't know this for certain but i'll bet you that that idea of putting the noises outside came from a kid interesting <laughs> yeah yeah the patient themselves yeah 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 or a parent I mean, it, it, yes. Yeah, or a parent, yeah. Indeed. So on this note then of making things better, talk to me about Explorer Health. Talk to me about the idea, the MVP, and now selling it and scaling it. Talk me through that journey. Yeah, so, you know, I talked about our very early um, prototyping. And the idea at that stage was let's, produce 3D augmented reality models that help children engage with hospital environments. Let's do the same for hospital technologies, things like MRI scans. Let's make this based around an avatar that can answer any questions they have. So those are the kind of sort of basic principles, games, 3D environments, and an an artificially intelligent avatar. And to this day, that's essentially what Exploro is. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the customer journey. So what the patient does when they first interact with Exploro is create a 3D avatar. And that avatar is intended to be their kind of friend and confidant as they travel through through healthcare. So that avatar that they create will be there to advise them, there to uh, answer questions, mm-hmm. and there to introduce them to things like MRI scanners and mm-hmm. uh, ultrasound and blood tests and a whole range of other stuff. But key to that experience is that first and foremost, it's really playful. And and the reason it's called Exploro, the reason the company's called Exploro, is because we wanted to convey the sense that the child or the young person or ultimately the adult next year, but we'll get onto that. Um, The child or the young person um, is deciding what information they engage with and when. So Explorer is all about the pull of information rather than the push of information. You know, typically in, in, in healthcare, particularly if you've got something like a cancer diagnosis, as I said earlier, provision of information is pretty poor, but when information is provided, and I think back to, to my own experience with my daughter, it was a barrage of stuff. And it was, some of it was not age appropriate at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it was too much to take in at that time. So, um, so Explorer is all about the child thinking, well, hey, yeah, today I do want to go off and find out about MRI scanners. Or today I just want to customize my avatar and, and play, a, play a game. And I don't want to engage with anything about healthcare because it's too scary. So we we give the child that option to 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 pull information as and when they want it, um, and that's 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 the origin of the name. It's difficult to to kind of imagine what Explorer might look like, but I I often describe it as sitting somewhere between Pokemon Go and The Sims. <laughs> um, and the reason why I frame it between those two very popular, very well known consumer titles is because. To achieve that level of engagement, we have to have a, a, a quality level, a quality threshold that is equivalent to, not to other hospital information, but equivalent to those those mainstream multi-million download applications yeah. that, that children will go to and play with. So when they download Exploro, we want them to be engaging with it because it's a really fun engaging experience not because they're going to learn about osteosarcoma yeah. Yeah. or how blood cancers are treated or, or whatever so it's a heck of a bar that you have to then set with the experience and with all those different things so how are you how are you practically doing that because to to compare the resource of I guess a company like yours versus Rockstar Games, <laughs> um, there's a discrepancy, right? So how I'm interested, like how practically you do that, and, and uh, I'm selfishly indulging here because, like, as somewhat of a gamer myself, um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm interested. 
Yeah, well, look, it's we're we're no rock star games for sure. <laughs> um, we haven't we've we've got a, a relatively small team. Uh, what we do have is bags of experience. So you know, I've been in my agency life. I've been building products like this for right thirty years. Obviously, technology's changed over those thirty years, but I have a lot of experience building building ambitious tech products. Uh, and the team that we've hired within Exploro are all really highly experienced. Sometimes it's not just about the size of your team. Sometimes it's about the quality of your, your, your ideas and the quality of the input you get. And I think that some of our most important, uh, or, or arguably the most important members of our team are our expert advisory board. Uh, and our expert advisory board is a group of kids. The youngest is eight, the oldest is 16. And they are, they are our editors. So they, they decide what content meets the grade to go into Exploro. Uh, what content is good enough? What content is engaging enough? Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll give an example. So we spent um, this time last year, we spent quite a lot of developer and designer time uh, redesigning our avatar system. We made the avatar much, much more um, lifelike, um, much more, um, yeah, much more, much more like a kind of human form, I guess. And uh, fortunately, before it was too late, we asked our expert advisors what they thought of it. And they said, it's rubbish get rid of it. <laughs> so we had to bin all of that work because, you know, the kids who are, 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 are the representative of our end users said, no, it's not, it's not right. We prefer the old avatar. So we, we, we dumped the work and went back, back to the old avatar. So, you know, sometimes it's not just about the size of the team. It's about the quality of the processes you have in place. It's about the, it's, a, and I'll come back and I'll always come back to user engagement. It's about understanding user needs and making sure that your product meets those user needs. You have clear, you have a clear set of values. And I like that you keep returning to the same, the same core beliefs around putting those patients, those children first and actually respecting them for their ideas, have having an expert advisory board and calling it that with eight year olds. Um, I really, I really respect that of you and your company. Like, I think that that really shines through as like a, a personal value of yours. And I think partly that must come from the experience that brought you here in the first place with your daughter, right? Like knowing, knowing her and what she needed, um, and just, I suppose, wishing at the time. And I suppose as entrepreneurs, we all want to create the world we wish we had. Uh, we want to create the experience we wish we'd had. And I see that a lot in clinician founders, in patient founders, in parent founders, um, that it gives you a special type of purpose and a special, uh, a, a special resilience to those values as well, um, which I think is great and incredibly respectful uh, or deserving of an incredible amount of respect um, because I think that leads to the greatest products frankly because i think we can all be guilty of cutting corners to make a buck potentially those efficiency changes you know building that avatar and actually going through all of that work and the sunk cost of then realizing that was a cul-de-sac and turning all the way around so rather than making an excuse of like oh they're only eight years old you know whatever like i'm sure other eight-year-olds will like it and telling yourself that story you've respected that and sunk all of that cost for the benefit of everyone. And I, 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 yeah, I just really respect that, mate. I think that's, I think that's awesome. I want to talk to you now about the buyers actually of this, because I think that respect for the product is great. But one thing you mentioned earlier is that health literacy in children leads to better self-managers of healthcare later in their life. They And that's a long-term payout. You also mentioned, but they turn up for appointments. There's less do not attends. 
they stay still in the MRI. So there's less cost associated with repeat diagnostics. So those are shorter term wins. Now, for the buyers of Explorer and, and other technology similar, or actually, let's just go with you and, and make this personal to you guys. Like, how do you, how are you making that case to the buyer? Is it an economic one? Is it a moral and ethical one? Is it a patient experience one? What is that argument? And if it is like patient experience, are there metrics associated that with with what, that these buyers have to hit? Is that what they're going for? Like, I'm interested in that like sales bit because. I think here is a key to unlocking entrepreneurs focusing on increasing the quality of care, not just making it cheaper. It's all of the above in terms of um, what drives the sale. Obviously, it's not all of the above with every customer, but some customers will be will be purchasing Explorer because they want to improve patient experience. Other customers will be purchasing Explorer because they want to improve procedural efficiency. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a combination of the two. Um, it's... I mean, it's interesting. We um, we did, a, or our research partners did a research study um, back in 2019, which is is published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research, which showed that children using Explorer demonstrated a statistically significant reduction in anxiety, as well as statistically significant increases in patient satisfaction and knowledge about procedures, which is is great and it's fantastic to have that published research. But if you're going to a hard-nosed procurement person uh, in a in a not very f- forward-thinking hospital, um, they're going to say, "Well, that's really nice, but so what? How's it going to save me money between in this financial year?" And yeah. and and the truth is that it probably isn't on just on those metrics alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, one of the things that we've been focusing on very much is how do we how do we prove out some of those health economic benefits? How do we prove mm-hmm. out some of those claims I made earlier about reduction in uh, repeat procedures, reduction in uh, appointment times? Um, we've actually got a, um, a quality improvement study going on right now um, at Boston Children's Hospital in the States, um, who are a customer. They've been a customer just coming up for their second year now. And uh, that's looking at those procedural efficiencies in a radiology department. Um, so, um, you know, one of the key things for us over the coming year or so will be to start building more quantitative data around procedural efficiency, because that is a, that is a, a, you know, a a really important driver for us. Um, we've, we've had some help from our, um, our local academic health science network as well in building a cost benefit analysis model around, uh, around uh, procedural efficiencies and, and and that too is an important tool in our arsenal when we're going into a hospital you can you can imagine you know a, a, a man in a gray suit looking at explorer and thinking what the hell is this doing in what the hell is this doing in a hospital setting but actually it's an important tool that can save hospitals money and can can improve the patient experience yeah so it's very much about sort of building up arguments around those areas and i think you know, we, we we've touched a couple of times on the fact that we're, um, we're we're probably more active in the states than we are in the UK, uh, and one of the reasons for that is, you know, there, there, there are don't get me wrong, there are there are a lot of things that are very very broken in the US healthcare system, not least um, access to health healthcare for for people with low incomes, mm. but. One of the things that that competitive commercialized system does as a byproduct, an unintentional byproduct, I think, of the commercialization of the system is it places an emphasis on patient experience. And so where, where in the UK, it's very, very difficult to go to a hospital and make an argument based solely on patient experience. In the US, it's not so difficult. In the US, they take patient experience seriously because they see patients as customers. Rightly, well, or they wrongly, have they choice. See as customers, they have choice so. around where they, they spend they have their choice, healthcare yeah. money. That's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Well, some let, let's 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 some people have choice. Correct. In the states, some people have no choice at all. Good point. Yeah. So, in terms of 
your scale then, you've mentioned the US, you've mentioned UK, but you're doing things in other continents too, is that right? Yes, it is. Yes. So this is a story that I am, I'm really proud about. Um, it's, it's non-commercial activity. So, um, two years ago, two years ago. Yeah. I think, I think about two years ago, we teamed up with a charity called world child cancer who help children in low and middle income countries, um, children and their families in low and middle income countries, uh, go through cancer treatment. And we said to world child cancer, look, you can have, you can have unlimited licenses for Exploro uh, in these low and middle income countries. Um, cover the cost of localization, whatever that might be, uh, but we'll give you unlimited licenses. And so now we're in use in Ghana, uh, a couple of hospitals in Ghana. We're in use in Malawi. Uh, we've actually translated Exploro into Chichewa, which is the language spoken in Malawi. And we're going live in Cameroon in, um, I think, a couple of weeks' time. Um, Wow. That project is so central to why I do what I do. Mm. When when we get photos back of kids using Exploro in an African hospital setting, you know that there is absolutely no way they would normally have access to a resource. Yeah, yeah. And the feedback we get from them is just incredible. It's really in- incredible. And, and I should tell us a quick story just to yet again bring this back to patient engagement and patient experience. When, when you name the avatar in Exploro, and, and, and this is any, any user, when they, when they create a name for their avatar, uh, they, there's no opportunity for free text entry because we use that avatar in multiplayer gaming. So they have to choose from a list of predetermined list of first names and a predetermined list of second names. And they're usually sort of funny combinations. So your avatar might be called something like Johnny Chewy Fingers or (laughs) Jennifer Baggy Britches or something like that. (laughs) Now that works in the English language Mm because you've got funny, we we understand funny second names, names like Baggy Britches. When we went to Ghana, we got a group of Ghanaian kids to come up with funny names in ACAM. And so... I've no idea what these funny names are that they came up with or what they mean. I'm hoping they were, they've all been sanitized. So they're not too rude. Um, but we, um, we, we came up, we came, we, we, we got these kids to come up with funny first names and second names. And then we put a Ghanaian name set into the avatar customizers. So nice. that they can choose Ghanaian names that are appropriate to them. That's so, that's so nice. So, um, yeah, so, so, so bringing this back to your, your question. Yeah. We are active in, in Africa, not for profit in Africa, but mm. we're active. It's, it's coming back to this two things really for me that you're purpose driven and being able to do that in Africa is clearly something that gives you the energy to then face the commercial challenge elsewhere and i think that's a really it's a really good example i think of knowing who you are yourself as an entrepreneur and knowing what is gonna nourish you and energize you and give you the purpose behind what you're actually doing because frankly well it's it's not assigning a value to uh, a, a child in a high-income country getting benefit versus a child in a low-income country getting benefit. Ultimately, it's a child getting benefit, full stop. And actually, that is the win here. It's just that in a model where you need to grow as a business to create this impact, you will need to sell it and adopt a commercial model. And I think that's the whole point is that you can do that and then offset it and give the value elsewhere. And the more money and profit that comes in, the more the product can get better, the better the patient engagement, the better all round. And I think it's a really, I think it's, it's just a really nice, model that and knowing yourself as an entrepreneur and knowing that you will be nourished by that is incredibly important um i think ultimately man like the other thing is that i feel like this conversation with you for me has put back onto the table the 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 actual benefit of understanding the patient in all this and giving the patient a voice in all this. These are words that are said a lot on LinkedIn, 
You know, there are these are words that are said a lot, I think, in pitches and in investor meetings and in sales meetings. I think these these are words that are said a lot. And by no means am I saying that people don't mean them. I'm not saying that at all. But for me personally, I think this has been an opportunity for me to reconnect with the value of what that actually does mean. What I mean by that is having eight-year-olds on a on an advisory board and what that actually means for how you develop the product. Coming at this from a place of genuinely wanting to see the change that you wished you had from your patient perspective or parent perspective, you know, and appreciating that the patient voice is an expert voice. And act, but actually leaning into that, the patient voice is the expert voice if what you're going after is greater patient experience, which if you want your technology to be adopted, no matter where you monetize, the patient experience and the patient voice is still incredibly valuable. So I'm grateful to you for coming on today and I'm grateful for you being so honest and clear about your values because I feel like I've, I feel like I've learned something from you today and I, I, I genuinely do appreciate that. Um, and you're doing incredible work, mate. You're doing incredible work scaling what you're doing. I think it's incredibly valuable. I've seen it. I've seen it in that Helsinki hospital. I've seen, I've seen where this goes well and what it leads to. And I genuinely wish you all the best of luck with it. For those people that are listening that feel similar or want to get in touch with you either because they run a hospital that would benefit from this, which I'm sure is 99% of hospitals on earth, but 1% being the ones that have this. Um, if people want to get in touch with you to learn more or to speak to you or indeed to find out more about Explorer, what's the best way for them to do so? Probably the best way to, 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 to get in touch is to check me out on LinkedIn, send me a connection request and make sure you mention this show. Uh, if you mention this show, I'll accept it. If you don't mention this show and I don't know who you are, I probably won't accept it. So be sure to mention this show, but check me out on LinkedIn. Really happy to have a conversation with anyone who's interested in um, how we can provide better engagement for patients in their healthcare journey. And that's not just kids, that's adults too. Awesome. Dom, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.